This is Economic Impact. Conversations from Emirates Development Bank. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Economic Impact. Conversations with Emirates Development Bank. We have a special guest with us today, Her Excellency Rajal Mazrouhi, the CEO of Etihad Credit Insurance. Her Excellency has been appointed the CEO back in May of this year and has been instrumental in driving ECI strategic transformation plans as well as enhancing the operational efficiencies. She's also currently the board member of Al-Ansari Financial Services, UAE Digital Bank, Zand, Al-Masraf Arab Bank for Investment and Foreign Trade, and Etihad International Investments. Raja is also a member of the Board of Trustees at the Mohammed bin Rashid School of Government. Raja, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. If we can jump right into it, Raja, could you tell me a bit about your background and your career path and how you had this path towards ECI? Well, it's been a journey, Ahmed, and uh, I don't think I had a, a solid plan on where to land, but I think it's a collective of everything. I started in technology. I've studied technology and I started my career in technology. I was a programmer, uh, moved within different uh, IT roles and different organizations till I joined the DIFC back in 2010. And uh, since then, I have been as well in technology and operation till 2014. I've decided to jump ships and move from back office operation and support to front face uh, marketing and business development. And since then, I've been engaged with the uh, financial services sector. And in 2017, it was time to look at the uh, strategy for the financial center. And we realized that technology was disrupting all sectors, including financial services. And there was an opportunity for the DIFC to transform itself into a fintech hub. Uh, fintech being the enabler of technology in financial services. And I was really excited about that because I understood technology too well. And I was really starting to uh, learn a lot about the financial services. And I thought that it would be an exciting opportunity to explore the fintech sector uh, further. And since then, I have been engaged with uh, tech startups, mainly in financial services, fintechs and insurtechs, helping them uh, access business opportunities within the UAE understand the regulatory framework, access funding opportunities, onboard talent to build their uh, tech startups from here. And I got exposed to different solutions. And from there, um, I was actually uh, building the uh, foundation for the fintech industry uh, in the UAE. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity that has uh, enabled me to uh, contribute uh, to uh, shaping this uh, sector. And from there, I started to uh, work with a lot of financial institutions. And I think the main uh, value that I've added as a person coming from technology background, spending a few years in marketing and business development of financial services, I was able to simplify the conversation between the technology uh, startups and the financial institutions and the regulator. Um, When you talk about innovation, innovation could be scary. It could be easy, but it really depends on how you pass on this message and you prepare this um, uh, individual to receive your idea. And I think communication plays a major role in there. Since I started working with fintechs, I've gained a lot of experience and knowledge, and I have been uh, growing in my career by uh, joining boards of financial institutions who appreciated that uh, blend of experience between technology and financial services. And 
this year I was, um, as I decided to uh, move on from my uh, fintech career, I was um, uh, asked to uh, join ECI as the chief executive officer. And ECI is the trade credit insurance uh, company of the UAE government. And we provide trade credit solutions for exporters and mm-hmm. manufacturers from the UAE. And we'd like to enable them access global market opportunities from here. So all of that blend in fintech has uh, eventually prepared me to take on this role and contribute at a larger scale for the UAE. It's a very interesting career and very interesting career path. Um, I remember actually meeting you for the first time at the fintech hive when you were when you were leading it at the IFC. And I remember looking around and thinking to myself, wow, mashallah, this all exists here in the country. All of these startups, all of these companies that were in the financial services, or let's say the future of the financial services sector, were all being developed and built there. What were some of the most interesting ones? I'm sure there was a couple that came by and, and maybe they weren't successful, but they were very, very interesting in the sense of what they were looking to do or what they were looking to achieve. Um, was there anything that stands out in your mind any from the days of the fintech hive? Absolutely. There are quite few. And I think um, uh, the fintech hive, when we started, we were very small mm-hmm. and it started as an initiative. And I worked with the startups. I knew the founders. I knew their partners. I knew their family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked closely with them to understand their technologies. But by the time I left, it was more than, fi- more than 500 startups. Right. And honestly, I don't remember all of them, but I do remember the ones that were really unique. Mm-hmm. I am proud of our first uh, uh, startup, Sarwa. I'm sure you know Sarwa, which mm-hmm. does a robo advisory and okay. uh, um, created an, an opportunity for uh, individuals to access the world of financial uh, investments at smaller uh, ticket prices. Uh, the second one is Norblock. And Norblock, I think, um, they provide a KYC solution on the blockchain. And today they're working with more yes. than uh, 10 or 11 yes, financial yes. institutions. And this facilitates the uh, verification of uh, documents. And uh, they're, they're growing, uh, I mean, exponentially within the region. And I'm so proud uh, of them. Uh, there is a, a local uh, fintech, Baytuki. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, it's co-founded by uh, or founded by uh, Latifa bin Haider. Okay. So Latifa joined the Accelerate Her mentorship program that we have launched as part of the DIFC Fintech Hive. And this mm-hmm. program was looking at developing talent. Mm-hmm. And she's a UA national, graduated from uh, university, uh, American University of Sharjah, joined the program, got excited about the opportunity and started on building her own platform. And she does... Uh, uh, crowdfunding for real estate investments mm-hmm. for women. Crowdfunding, okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm really proud of uh, Latifa, and I'm sure that she's able to grow and scale this company to um, to be, uh, you know, of a significant contribution. Do you remember how they how they had that set up for the crowdfunding? Was it on blockchain, or was it that they had some kind of what are they called ratio ownership where you have like bits and pieces it's fractional of ownership. ownership okay fractional ownership yeah. okay and um, it's regulated under the dfsa so it's not one of those uh, easy tech mm. solutions that you just put the idea and and the team behind it it's mm-hmm. actually going through the regulatory framework because that journey you have to educate everyone around you about the technology and latif has done an amazing job she's regulated by dfsa and operating uh, right now in the market just before I move on to had credit insurance, because I find this very fascinating, the, the experience at the fintech hive, um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listeners would love to hear, but what, what did you find was the key elements um, for success 
in the entrepreneurs that were looking to establish themselves um, in the fintech hive to set up their business, but maybe not just at the fintech hive, but just in general with entrepreneurs, what did you find were key elements of success in, in those entrepreneurs? I think one of the most important elements is really believing in what you are trying to do because mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs come with different ideas and they have funding and they have teams, but they're not 100% confident in mm-hmm. what they are pitching. So I, I, I've noticed the ones that knew the value, like they knew their names, are the ones mm-hmm. that believed in it and fought till the end because there are a lot of challenges in mm-hmm. building an innovative solution in a traditional environment. And it's not only about the regulators not giving you the the regulation you require or the uh, companies and banks not opening their APIs or Mm -hmm. not being able to hire the team that you want to scale. But if you had that confidence and belief and, you know, commitment, then you will be able to definitely onboard everybody to support Mm -hmm. your cause and eventually uh, uh, roll out the solution. And I think um, uh, being integrated within the ecosystem, if you look at the UAE, there is unlimited resources for entrepreneurs to access, whether it's funding, whether it's acceleration, whether it's uh, business opportunities, uh, coaching, mentoring, uh, onboarding. However, if the entrepreneurs are not blended within the ecosystem, they wouldn't know about those opportunities. I call it social intelligence. Be there everywhere and benefit from everything that's there in the ecosystem to create uh, and launch your uh, solution. Very fascinating. Um, so now with Ittihad Credit Insurance, you've joined the organization in May. You have a specific goal and objective with that organization. Um, you, you mentioned that Ittihad Credit Insurance is responsible for um, the insurance of export products, right? Would you like to talk a bit about what does Ittihad Credit Insurance do in order to make sure that listeners also understand more about Ittihad Credit Insurance? Absolutely. So Etihad Credit Insurance is a federal uh, entity owned by the UAE government, and its mandate is really to facilitate exports from the UAE to the world. Now, uh, international trade comes with lots of complexities and a lot of risks. And as Etihad Credit Insurance, we take on those risks to facilitate those trade transactions for the companies from the UAE to access those global uh, market opportunities. In addition, we work very closely with a tight ecosystem of supporters, including the Ministry of Foreign Trade, who is signing SIPA agreements everywhere right. uh, between the UAE and a uh, few of the leading countries to enable those companies access uh, those uh, markets with, um, I would like to say, no barriers, but at least limited barriers and certain subsidies and exceptions that facilitate their growth. For example, the SIPA agreements with India, with Indonesia, with Turkey. And if you combine those markets, the uh, opportunity for the manufacturers and traders in the UAE actually uh, multiplies by tens and 20 times. And uh, their access to funding then becomes even more important. Mm -hmm. And for them to be able to capture all those opportunities, we provide them the solutions that would guarantee their payments Mm -hmm. from those international markets. And once the financial institutions see that those uh, companies have actually insurance against non-payment, then they become even more confident and lend them further to grow their uh, operations from here to meet the export demands. Which countries do you see the most traction with right now? So based on the ones, as, you, as you've just mentioned, we're signing a lot of SEPA agreements as a country with many different countries around the world, and there's many that are in the works right now. Which ones have you seen recently really gain a lot of traction? 
So as ACI, we currently cover uh, exposures of our traders in 112 countries. Right. So we work all over right. uh, the world. But the SEPA countries are more attractive as mm-hmm. business opportunities for our traders because they have certain set of exemptions and fast track access. So what we do at Tehadi Credit Insurance, we look at those countries and we look at their top imports from the world, and we try to match it with exporters from the UAE. So Mm -hmm. we do this approach country by country, and we work with the community to see how can we match them, access those uh, markets. So if I was a trader uh, or an exporter from the UAE, I will definitely look at the SEPA countries and how can I benefit or where should would I benefit the most? And I would go with the Tahada Credit Insurance there because that's the immediate um, uh, right. opportunity. Now, there are long-term um, uh, transactions that definitely come with the greater opportunities like all of the uh, investments in the sustainable finance and the renewable energy in the African continent. Mm-hmm. But those um, opportunities are really for bigger companies who are able to take on uh, bigger uh, projects. Mm-hmm. But for the immediate international expansion, I would look at SIPA countries. Okay. So I'm an exporter. Um, I produce locally and I'm looking to export. What would I do? How would I go about availing these services from ECI? What would I do? Do I go to a website? Do I call a phone number? How do I go about it? Can you walk us through step by step? um, What would I do in order to be able to avail these kinds of services and what the requirements would be for it? So our website uh, has just been relaunched and it has all the information and the journey that the uh, customer needs to uh, understand the service and even what premium we charge. So we have a premium estimator on our website where you go and you say, I want to export to this country. This is the whole turnover value of uh, my uh, exports. And uh, these are the sectors and you put in few parameters. We try to make it very simple so that at least they have an idea of the uh, premium. And then you press the button, you receive the um, quotation. uh, It's an estimation uh, in your inbox. Once you receive that, if you think that it's valuable or it's something that you would like to work with, then we can meet and discuss all the specifics that will give you and guarantee you to get the best price uh, in the market. Our focus as ECI is really on enhancing non-oil trade uh, transactions and diversification of the economy. And we focus on healthcare, food security, and uh, renewable energy. So we would go after those uh, clients and we would match them also with opportunities in global markets related to those sectors. So if they come to our website and they register their interest, we will keep them in our pipeline and match them for future opportunities as well. So it sounds to me like you've brought a lot of that fintech digital experience into ECI. Um, can you talk a bit about that? What are the enhancements that you're doing to this? It sounds a very, very um, like a seamless process for the end users to be able to do everything digitally from the convenience of their homes or their offices. Um, and then, you know, the, the physical aspect of meeting and discussing only comes after the fact of really understanding that they need this and they want this and they'll sit and go through specific requirements. Can you go through a bit of the, the, the digital transformation that ECI has undergone or is still undergoing as we speak now? So we have a lot of uh, digital initiatives that are still yeah. going on within uh, ECI, but the main objective of those um, initiatives is really to ease the uh, customer onboarding uh, journey, create awareness about trade credit insurance because it's a very niche uh, market and very niche product that uh, is not 
uh, easy to understand for non-financial services kind of audience, but it's very relevant at the same time. So what we're trying to do is also uh, simplify the language, make sure that we speak the public's language when we say we uh, ensure exports, that they understand how we ensure exports, because sometimes that's they start to ask, how do you do it? Why do I need it? And, and all of these uh, questions. And obviously, you only need insurance when you are in trouble. So you've insured your car for the last 10, 15 years, but you only appreciate the insurance if, God forbid, something happened. Uh, and the same with the trade credit insurance. If you are investing um, uh, your funds and your time and your talent in developing a product to meet a requirement from an international buyer, if you don't receive the payment, then that will have a significant impact on your business. And that's the risk that we take on so that businesses can focus on their growth and expansion from the UAE. What do you foresee for the future of ECI? The, you've described um, the services, the, the upgrade of the digital technology. Do you foresee um, any growth towards any new services, new products, um, an expansion for, for ECI? So as you know, the um, uh, UAE always uh, recreates itself and um, uh, relaunches ambitious targets, and we continue to achieve them. And I think uh, that is very inspirational. And with regards to foreign trade, the mandate of the UAE government is really to triple the uh, foreign trade and triple the non-oil uh, trade. And that translates immediately for us tripling our um, coverage and support for UAE businesses by 2031. Mm -hmm. And that's our guiding uh, principle right now. And we are looking at how can we increase uh, our contribution to the economic uh, GDP and the economic agenda and the diversification agenda of the UAE. But on top of that, we would like to um, uh, accelerate exports from mm -hmm. the UAE to the world. And there are many ways to accelerate exports. And one of them is partnering with financial institutions. We work with the EDB on uh, multiple initiatives. We are on an outreach uh, program now to financial institutions, make sure, making sure that they understand the specifics of our product and how can it help financial institutions as well secure their payments uh, we are uh, uh, reaching out to uh, traders, manufacturers, all the economic development uh, entities within the UAE to make sure that target audience understand. Because what we have realized is companies from outside the UAE are considering moving their operations to the UAE to leverage on the access to markets, access to funding, access to insurance, access to a secure and uh, fast logistics system. So they are moving those to benefit from the SIPA agreements from here. Right. So that creates a huge opportunity for our uh, foreign trade uh, to grow. And we are committed to uh, investing the right tools and resources to facilitate that, looking at using smart contracts wherever we have an open-minded partner, because these would really ease the um, uh, verification of all the documents and also it will fast-track those applications. Have you seen an uptick in, in exports? I mean, do you, do you have access to the data that comes out of the Ministry of Economy? Um, How has that looked over the past six months, one year, um, with these kinds of initiatives coming into play? So I think um, uh, we have access to all of this information and we keep a close eye on uh, the top trends that we can uh, capture. For example, we've realized that the UAE is the top re-exporter of rice in the world. 
Oh, wow. And I was like, who are the rice are exporters? <laughs> Go and find them. Mm. Because, uh, you know, that means that the UAE is playing a major role in food security. If, most, if it's the number one uh, rice exporter, there are uh, lots of traders that are receiving those rice um, mm. uh, products, that they are exporting it, that are uh, linking with the shipping infrastructure. So we look at all of these trends and we try to make sure that it's aligned with uh, our uh, initiatives. And then we reach out to them to make sure they're part of our portfolio. As I mentioned, we work with uh, global uh, mega projects mm -hmm. and uh, uh, international ECAs on international projects. And the opportunity for integrating the UAE content in those projects are huge because when they reach out to us for partnership and capacity building, we say we're more than happy to do it. Can we have a portion of the transaction for UAE content? And obviously, that's the approach. So we go back. Mm -hmm. We look at the relevant UAE companies and we plug them into uh, those projects. So, yes, we keep an eye on all of these data and try to uh, match make as we go. That's amazing. That's adding so much value to existing producers that are here in the UAE where that value maybe didn't exist, but a player like ECI can easily, you know, have access to that data. It's very creative and finding ways to plug them into into the ecosystem. Ahmed, one more thing on our website. Yeah. We have integrated an export potential map. So okay. if you are a, a trader or a manufacturer in the UAE and you're you know, like a heat producing... Map. You show them, you show them where, where, where are the parts of the world. Yeah, if you're producing microphones, you can right. see who's importing microphones around the world and who are the companies and how can you reach them. So once you get that, you click on a button, then someone from ECI will reach out to you and, and do the uh, onboarding uh, process. But that's a tool that is very relevant to every right. manufacturer, producer in the UAE who's interested to export. Because how does he know? Do I export to India? Do I export to Indonesia? Where do I invest my time and relationship right. in which market? Right, right. And uh, ECI already have those relationships and those companies can benefit from them. It's amazing. Um, COP28 is now upon us. Uh, what are the plans for ECI uh, in relation to COP28? I know that, as you just mentioned, renewables is a big sector of focus for ECI. Um, are there any specific plans for COP28? Anything you are looking to do with ECI during COP28? So COP28 and the sustainability is a huge focus area for uh, ECI. And uh, within uh, that regard, we have launched two products this year. One of them is the Green Working Capital, where we work with financial institutions on financing companies that are investing or producing mm -hmm. uh, green products. The other one is uh, green insurance. And uh, launching these two products uh, showcase the commitment of ECI to support the sustainable uh sectors. In addition, um, we are hosting a lot of, uh, I would say, between a roundtable and an event where we bring in global ECAs into the UAE to discuss what the role the ECAs play in enabling uh, sustainable uh, financing uh, projects. We're hosting an event on the 8th of December at the COP28. We have speakers from all over the world, reinsurers, ECAs, mm -hmm. export finance uh, experts, all speaking about the opportunities of sustainable uh, finance and how can ECAs be uh, part of that. On top of that, we uh, joined the uh, COP presidency in uh, Kenya for the Africa Investment uh, uh, Initiative. And there the UAE uh, pledged $4.5 billion of investment 
in renewable energy in uh, Africa, in the African continent. And ECI committed to uh, ensuring $500 million of those projects. So we're working very closely with the COP leadership and the um, uh, partnering institutions, Abu Dhabi uh, Fund for Development, EMEA mm-hmm. Power, and uh, Masdar, on uh, looking at the right projects, matching them to the needs, and then also uh, uh, funding and uh, ensuring those transactions. I wish you all the success, inshallah, at COP28 and with the future endeavors of ECI. Thank you so much, Raja, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Very interesting information. And I wish all of your clients all the success in their future. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ahmed, for having me. And I look forward to uh, working together and achieving uh, much more for our country. Inshallah. Thank you. Thank you. Economic Impact. Conversations from Emirates Development Bank.